0: Hello and welcome, Friartown. Today is January 9th, and we're going to be discussing where the Friars stand at the mid-season point of the season. I am Billy Ritchie, and this is the Friar Podcast. Hello, everybody. And welcome to episode 39 of the Friar Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Billy Ritchie, joined by the great Kevin Farahar, FriarBasketball.com. And today, we're really just here for a mid-season check-in. In In a long college basketball season, as we've just started, to kind of make our way through Big East play, there's certainly a lot going on in Friar Town. We're still a little shocked we're just trying to move forward with the season and kind of see where the team should end up, obviously, after a great start and, and, you know, a tragic injury for Bryce Hopkins ending his season. We're here to talk about some reaction from the Creighton game on Saturday. We're here to talk about the game at Madison Square Garden against St. John's. Love when we play at MSU when we play, State, play St. John's. And then what the future could look like for the Friars for the rest of this Big East tilt, you know, considering that we're going to be playing some different lineups and, really maybe even playing a little bit of a different style on, on, on a couple different lineups that we put out there. So Kev to kick things off, what were your initial thoughts on the Creighton game on Saturday?
1: You know, not, not discouraging. Um, I don't think Creighton's as good as they've been built to be this year. I thought they were going to be good coming to the season, but um, I don't know. I don't, I just, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but um Having watched Creighton over the last month, I think they're good. I don't think they're like a top 15 level team, like they're ranked for much of the season. But um in a lot of ways, just a really bad matchup for PC to start without Bryce Hopkins. Um, I don't know about you, Bill, but I this was one matchup I thought Bryce could have really torn up. Uh, they lost Kaluma this year, Arthur Kaluma to Kansas State. And that seemed like a, a matchup that Bryce could kind of go nuts against. Um, obviously, Kalkbrenner would have been there at the rim, and Kalkbrenner gave Adura uh, a lot of problems. Um, Josh was four for 17 um, from uh, from the field. And it, just a tough matchup, but kind of a tough one to, to start off against, going up against uh, Kalkbrenner your first game without Hopkins. And, you know, really, Bill, I mean, how much time do they really have to game plan for this one without Bryce? Because – they were probably traveling on Friday. Um, the Hopkins injury happens on Wednesday, so a bit of a wash. I think you know it's a, a tough situation going going to Creighton and p- facing Patino because um, he's obviously going to be trying to run PC into the ground with the press with uh, with a shortened rotation now. So a bit of a t- tough stretch for PC. Um, I don't know what were your thoughts on Creighton to start.
0: So my initial thoughts were. We don't usually like to play in Omaha. It's a tough place to play. I feel like it's one of the only away venues where our awareness is heightened and we're a little, we can get a little rattled if things aren't going our way. I mean, 17,000-plus fans, I think it was 17,253 in Omaha for the game. I, I just think that there isn't enough scoring consistency outside of Devin. And credit ticket gains, he was consistent, 5-9 from the field, 12 points he was really your only other efficient scoring option because we are obviously going to look to Jaden to run the offense first. And then of course your know, score second, I, I just, you know, four for 17, you mentioned it from Josh. Oh, five from three. That's just, that's going to you know, hurt your percentages and, and your ability points per possession on, on both ends right there, whether it's a two point or a three point field goal. I mean, Corey just can't really get comfortable right now. And it's so, it's, 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 it's frustrating just because, We saw what he could do as a role player last year in a small snippet, but he seemed just a lot more comfortable last year um, suiting up. and, And, you know, he got the start, but unfortunately wasn't really able to kind of capitalize offensively. And then we saw Garway get hurt multiple times in the game. It was almost like, you know, watching a bad scene in a movie. You know, he comes out, he immediately gets injured. I've dislocated both shoulders, you know, had shoulder problems, like just, just, you know, not, not ideal cause it can come out at any other time or you could have, you know, inflammation and and, and problems as you, you're going up for a rebound. You don't, you don't want to protect, you don't want to be thinking about it when you need to protect yourself and you're going up for a rebound. But I mean, it's just not enough offensive consistency outside of the lone 25 point scorer Devin Carter, which we were talking about it offline last night. Is Devin almost not getting enough credit in, in the, in the Friar history books here of like, you know, he's having a Bryce cotton level
1: performance here in the game, like Creighton on the road,
0: 25 and 10
1: he's been awesome. I mean, I I think it's all the the amount of credit he gets like any year is going to come down to how the team performs. Um, You know, and that goes for big East awards at this point, you got to assume if he keeps his pace up, he's definitely first team all big East, but uh, depending upon how Providence fares, he could even make an outside push for player of the year. Um, I don't expect that to be the case. It's probably going to be, you know, showing my hand a little bit. I don't think PC is going to make a push for the top of the league without Bryce. So, I think it's hard to be in the player of the year conversation without being a top, you know, two or three team in the league. But he's been awesome. Devin's been awesome. and I thought he just – I thought he ran out of gas. You know, I had wrote Bill on whatever it was, Saturday the game was, that, you know, he ended three for seven from three, but he was three for three at one point. He was just playing, like, perfect basketball. Uh, I think the real challenge is going to be, for Providence, like, both him and Josh need to rest. And when they rest them both at the same time, um those aren't great lines for Providence right now um and i thought that you know josh versus called brenners is just a, just a bad matchup that was my fear with josh coming over um when i watched i watched a, a lot of the mason games over last summer um which is called brenner and then Klingon. you know those, and not a lot of back to the basket six foot nine guys are going to have great success against two guys who are seven two and feature nba players but um Those are going to be tough matchups for PC because they're really limited right now offensively. Um, And I don't know who else really emerges as like a consistent night-to-night guy. It's almost going to be offense by committee. Like one night, Ticket could hit a couple threes, one night it's Jaden. And then you get to hope that Corey Floyd could figure it out. You got to hope that uh, maybe Garway is healthy and can give you a lift too. Um, But, you know, offensively, I have a lot of concerns now about Price. So, what do you think about Jaden overall? We were talking
0: about this a little bit. He seemed a little bit more aggressive, and he seemed a little bit more in the moment in the Creighton game on the road, and that was a great thing to see from your point guard, especially after you know the injury to Bryce.
1: Yeah, almost just Billy demeanor wise, he looked like I don't know. There was just he almost looked like there was more of an edge or a confidence there. Uh, The corner three he hit was contested; that was a tough shot. Uh, And Jaden, I mean, he shot the ball really well over two years. I think he was like, I don't. He missed two free throws last year. He hasn't missed one all year. Um, so he's, I think, a lot better shooter than he's been, been built. He got to the basket, had a really nice drive and a tough layup. He rimmed out a layup, a reverse around Cullik Brenner, and he just missed an end one at one point. So I think they just just need him to get in the paint and attack a lot more. I think he's going to be the guy. You know, I, I don't know if he can be a consistent like twelve, thirteen point per game scorer going forward the rest of the year but um, I think they named him to look for his offense more. I know, I know Kim will always say, you know, our top option is the guy who gets the open shot, but i like to see Jaden hunt a little bit more. I thought this is the most aggressive we had seen him since the second half against URI. I thought he was really aggressive in that half, but um, it's been kind of a filling out process for him and for Corey. Um, but I think Jaden, especially um, he's probably the, the potential third guy. I mean, Just because I think Ticket is more just a spot-up shooter at this point, whereas I think Jaden can get downhill and hit threes. So he's going to be the key guy going forward. And I thought he looked great. I thought he was the most encouraging one. Um, Tomorrow, we're recording this on Tuesday against St. John's. is going to be a real tough challenge for him because they're going to be running all sorts of pressure at Jaden. He really struggled with some of the pressure against Oklahoma um, back in early December. But um, it's his time to kind of step up. And he's going to get great experience this year. Uh, but they really need him to be a factor and a big factor almost every game going forward. If Garway is is, is good to go and there's no you know, ramifications of the injury,
0: does it almost make sense for, for Jaden to play a little bit more off the ball with, with these with these starting, starting lineups?
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they went with Corey in the starting lineup and Corey played 29 minutes. So I think he's going to play significant minutes. Um, I really think it's going to be a outside of Carter and Oduro and ticket who's playing well that given night. Um, You know, I, I like Jaden with the ball in his hands as much as possible. Um, And I, I look at it like, he can almost free Garway up a little bit. Um, I thought that Garway had his best success earlier in the year when he played with Jaden, like that Milwaukee game, he played a lot with Jaden. It seems like Garway's caught in between a little bit. Like he'll kind of attack and then pull out. I, I, I think he's kind of just figuring it out still. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd almost rather see Garvey get alleviated a little bit from some of the ball handling duties and just go into like attack mode, um, and let Jane run the offense. But again, so much is going to change. I really think there's so much urgency with every game that you want them to figure it out like right away. But realistically, you're probably looking at like two or three weeks before they really truly figure out what this whole thing looks like and really get it going without Bryce.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're spot on on Garway. I think sometimes he does look a little confused on whether he's going to attack or whether he's going to facilitate. So maybe taking the maybe taking the ball out of his hands a little bit could make that better. Really interested to see what Rich Barron can give us from three because that's looking real good right now. When it was in the non-conference, it was great to see, but it wasn't like we needed it. I think we really need it right now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we would be interested to see what he can provide as kind of like that like that sixth man, three and D guy. He made reference to it on the Kim English. um, And well, the, the, the Kim English radio show with John Rook, he made reference to it that he wants to continuously work on his conditioning. And he does see himself as, you know, a a three-point guy, but also somebody who can lock down, um, you know, his matchup on any given night. So I'm excited to see what Rich Barron can provide. Let's talk about Seton Hall for a second, right? Took down UConn, took down PC, took down Marquette. They're now ranked top 25. I think people were definitely, and I mentioned this, people were definitely sleeping on Shaheen. He wasn't really getting too much love. Definitely a little bit more on the hate side of things of like fans yeah. wondering yeah, where yeah. the program was going. And now he's got a top 25 ranked team and
1: it seems to be all kumbaya. <laughs> well, Billy, it's funny how, and this is my, obviously I'm not unique in thinking this, but why so much pressure is put on this year for PCs. Like you want PC to stay hot and we talked about at the beginning of the Seton Hall game. It's amazing how fast it can change. Even six days ago, I was like, man, Shaheen was such a hot name like a year ago. And now it seems like Seton Hall's this like flat blah program. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they they win a couple of games here, just two games later. And it's like, oh, actually, maybe Seton Hall's got it going a little bit. Um, and I was thinking about today. I mean, Seton Hall could be a decent model for Providence, right? Like we, there's definitely, like, the Hopkins injury is crushing, but you know, is there that much more scoring on Seton Hall's roster than PCs right now? I mean, I think Kodari's is obviously like a force and they get the big kid who gets a ton of rebounds and Davis is playing really well. And Elamira Doss is a veteran, but like, I, I would say, you know, the combination of Carter and Norduro is better than any twosome they have, you know, so, and they're winning. So I think that's going to be, I was thinking about this morning, um, I think that's going to be the combo, little, or the model a little bit. Seton Hall just defends like crazy and they're tough, and they grind games out. I think we were excited as PC fans to not have to grind out every game this year and look at a new offensive style, but they give be the model and it's crazy, because even watching last week, Bill, like we didn't... It more felt like PC wasn't playing well than Seton Hall... or PC was playing poor than Seton Hall was playing well, but... Right. And I didn't watch the Marquette game. I was out, but to have those three wins and admittedly I, you know, there's a bit of an asterisk with the Yukon win with Klingon being out, but they've played, they've played well without Klingon. So kudos to Seton Hall. And it's kind of nice to see a team that, you know, is an original big East team. Isn't like the the traditional power from the big East. You kind of, at least for me as a long time, big East fan kind of pulled for Seton Hall too.
0: Yeah. We always seem to get grouped with them back in the day. It was us Rutgers and PC for all the wrong reasons, but no, I think, Stephen hall is clearly showing that you can win with just a couple of scores here and that that is effective in, in 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 our in our case moving forward like if you look at the pc stats like we're still 30th in the nation in scoring defense right like 64.1 per game we're tops in the big east like you know blocks rebounds we do it all defensively right and that still needs to be the identity of the team it's just it'd be unfortunate if we were that team this year who just came up a little bit short because Bryce was out. Right. And, and, and that seems to be, that seemed to be on Saturday, the case, right. That we just couldn't pull off, even though we had that big comeback and obviously iconic moment with Kim, you know, screaming mindset and tapping his head as, 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 as that, you know, as, as the break came through, but at the end of the day, right. Brought it back to one, we were down significant points going in, you know, you know, going into that second half, like, I just hope that this team isn't gonna be the storyline of they were great, they were a tough, gritty team, but just didn't have enough offense to, you know, win games.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's too bad they didn't pull out that Seton Hall game. I mean, you mentioned the defense. Right now, Ken Palm has them fourth in the country in defensive defensive efficiency. They're fourth in effective field goal percentage against, and they're fourth in two point field goal percentage against. So, I mean, the defense couldn't be any better. Um you know, this stretch with Creighton and St. John's was going to be tough no matter what. I know you'll you'll be there tomorrow night, Bill, which is great for you at the at the St. John's game. I'm excited for you. Um, but you know, they come home. This game against Xavier is a little large, I think. Uh, that's a game you kind of assumed they were gonna win. Um, I think they'll be desperate for a win there, but you go Xavier, you go DePaul, you go to Seton Hall, and, and then you get Georgetown coming here. So you'd hope you can pull off three wins there. You know, and my whole thing for PC going forward, at least as they're figuring this whole thing out, is just to stay at 500 or just above, you know, and, and then hopefully make a push later in the year. But I feel like the next two weeks is really, really critical just because maybe even three weeks. The George on games the 27th. Uh, then they've got UConn, Villanova, Creighton. That's a tough stretch. But um, just kind of stay above water. And so you can kind of absorb like a two game losing streak. Um, but they got to stem the tide at some point, um, so we'll see. Again, I feel like I'm kind of going up on a tangent here, but um, I think they're going to win behind defense. I think offensively they'll be better once Josh is not facing off with Um, I think the big thing is you're going to just have to get guys to just spot you minutes, right? Like Rafael Castro has not had a good year this year at all, but Aduro can't. I think Seton Hall just—it was his legs, you know. Josh started that game six for six from the field. Then he went three for 15 and he missed a lot of shots that he can make, but I thought he was gassed. Um, And you just need, and Castro doesn't have to be great. You know, just give you 10 minutes, eight to 10 minutes that are passable. Uh, That's going to be really key too.
0: Yeah. To close out on Creighton. I mean, we never, again, even with full strength teams, we never like to go to Omaha. I think especially with the short window to kind of reestablish the lineup chemistry, where you're playing, you know, Corey and Garway and, and, and Jaden and, and, and Rafael Castro, like in the same lineups, you know, it, it, it's just, that's a lot to ask. So I, I I say, let's move on from this loss and continue forward into, you know, building what that infrastructure is to win games. And I mean, I don't know if riding Josh early on so much is the best idea because he does seem to, at the end of games, lose a little bit of steam. And if only we can conserve that for when we need him down the stretch a little bit more, maybe the field goal percentages go back up because he was 62 and percent, you know, field goal percentage guy when Bryce was, was playing. Right. So yep. it just seems like he's just doing a little too much right now and, and, and he can get back to the median and we can't rely on Devin Carter to score 25 points every given night. So we <laughs> yeah you know, we really got to get some guys active, drop some plays, for Corey, for Garway, for Rich Barron to hit some shots. And I think that could be, you know, I think that could be a make or break on the remainder of the season, but yeah, I am going to be in attendance tomorrow night at the St. John's PC game at MSG. I think it it makes a huge difference having it at MSG, whereas opposed to Karnaseka, because it's always a little bit tougher to get out to Queens on a weeknight. but I really got to say with the St. John's team, they're three and one, they're certainly trending in the right direction and a little scary in terms of the balance on offense. We're talking about our offensive struggles and we're here out here, you know, looking at a St. John's team with, you know, five guys in double figures. One guy Chris Leblanc probably going to be out, but I mean, balanced offensive attack, you know, around a top 30 offense in the NCAAs. Shooting shooting better. Um, didn't really start off the season shooting from the three that well, but definitely shooting better. And like Kevin said, they're gonna press us. And and with the, the shortened bench that never seems to uh you know typically go well in, in in these day in this type of day and age. But Kevin, I know Creighton's a tough matchup, but when it comes to St. John's, you know, what are we looking at tomorrow night?
1: Yeah, so I think what was interesting is with Creighton, you know, you heard Kim English after the game in in the press conference, he was almost like thinking their defensive strategy out loud. Like he had said, Oh, against Brenner, we went back and forth and if we should front the post or if we just, you know, play behind him straight up, we fronted him at first. We paid for it. Then we switched and we contained it. Trey Alexander started getting downhill and we went under a screen. He made us pay for it. Um, I don't think St. John's St. John's is tough, but I don't think they have these guys that, you know, so like, like Brenner, for instance, like PC, like on principle, I remember talking to one of their coaches in the, in the fall. Um, he is, it, it was when we, he'd mentioned, or they'd mentioned that Hopkins uh, might play some five. And I was like, well, aren't you super small at that point? And he's like, yeah, but we generally front the post. Right. So I think against Brenner, they had to kind of go against their principles. I don't think there's anyone on St. John's that you have to completely go against your principles on, right? Like, Trey Alexander, Colt Brenner, just the way Creighton plays offense can kind of like really alter the way you have to approach the game defensively. Um, that may not necessarily be the case here. Obviously, Storiano is a complete beast. Like this is like a top, I think, three team in the country in offensive rebounding. I am um, I would have never guessed, you know, when he first came to the league, what was it, two years ago, three years ago, that he turned into what he is. But he's a complete force in the offensive glass. So. He's going to be a guy you, you almost need Josh on the floor against him as much as you can because he'll just push Castro around. I thought Coltbrunner or at least Castro could like hang a little bit physically. Soriano is just a completely different animal. Um, so he's tough. Dennis Jenkins is playing really, really well. Um, he was Big East on a roll this week and his numbers were crazy. I forget off the top of my head, it was like 17, 6 and 4. Uh, and then they've got the kid Brady Dunlap, their freshman, who's uh, shooting really well. I he hit either eight or 10 threes their last two games. He was biggest on a roll. He was a guy that Cooley and staff were recruiting for a while. He committed to Notre Dame. Then when they had a coaching change, he decommitted. And now he's at St. John's. So feels like they're figuring it out a little bit. They're 3-1 and one in the Big East. Their only loss was to UConn at, in Hartford. Um, I think it was like a four-point loss, too. It wasn't a terrible loss by any stretch. So, um, you know, Bill, I think the biggest challenge for PC, we talked about this offline before is just handling the constant pressure they're going to play. I mean, obviously, Patino knows that PC is really shorthanded. And it, it goes beyond Hopkins. It goes back to, you know, I feel like I'm kind of belaboring this point in my articles, but, you know, it goes back to Alan Braid in the spring, Justin uh, Justin Fernandez in the spring, Will McNair in the fall, now Hopkins. Like, those are four really significant hits to what you thought were going to be part of your rotation. Um, so PC is really deep down in their bench at this point. And I have a feeling Patino is just gonna press him like crazy. St. John's is I think ninth in the country as far as how much they press. And it's gonna be a huge challenge for Pierre and Garway and really the whole team to not turn the ball over a lot. But we'll see what happens. I don't know, but what do you think about this one?
0: Well I think you all saw Riano, like you said, I mean from coming from Fordham and then basically in his junior year, you know, just just averaging like a meet I think what was he like? six and a half five and a half rebounds per game to now it's just like he has really really um grown his game and his ability to be he's really one of the best players in america like 17 points 10 rebounds a game so yeah i mean that's not ideal in terms of the matchup with josh um overall again i just think like st john's has balanced scoring and and i think that isn't always ideal when it comes to you know a team that's kind of struggling to put it together offensively but like you said other than you all know, well, there's really no other game breaker type player that can that can open it up so obviously if devin's having a good night and we're getting some key contributions from some of the guards then i think we can certainly make it a game obviously Friar our friends are going to come out to msg like i said it makes a big difference not having to get out to queens on the weeknight yeah. um but it's almost like the storyline of, of patino playing providence is almost getting undermined you know by
1: unfortunately the injury and
0: and and, and kind of where we're trending right now
1: yeah and i think honestly a big loss for them too is chris Ledlam. um patino said he's doubtful to play today for folks who aren't familiar with him or tend to focus on just pc not the whole East, he's a guy he's at harvard he was like a 18 and 8 16 and 9 guy at harvard this year he's He's got an undersized power forward like a 66, probably a 230 guy who he's 11 and 8 this year. I don't think he's been great, but he's a versatile piece who, you know, plays thir- almost 30 minutes a game. Um so that makes them a little bit smaller. I think they'll be kind of guard heavy too. So from that perspective, it's kind of like duro versus Soriano and then a bunch of like wings and guards going at it. So, um you know, physically, I don't think there are terrible matchups for PC in this one. Other than Josh is having to hold up against Soriano, and if Josh gets in foul trouble, then they've got some issues.
0: Yeah, I, I do. I do think it's interesting that Rick Petito has been able to take you know a Harvard transfer, a Penn transfer, an Iona transfer, just all these different you know guys, and in a year, kind of have him buy in, you know, have them buy into his system. Um, RJ Lewis from UMass, right? So it's impressive that he could just get all you know. People were you know during, when they got blown out by Michigan. People were like, oh, like maybe they're not who we thought they were going to be. You got to give, you got to give kids some time. You know, you got to give Slick Rick some time here at the end of the day, right? He's bringing in all these transfers from all these different schools and now he's got a plan.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it feels like not that long ago they lost to Boston College. And I was like, all right, all St. John's in it this year. Um, But they really, they, and I think Butler's good. They beat Butler about like 15. They just went and kind of handled Villanova too. So, um, they're playing well, but again, I don't think it's an awful matchup for PC. I think it, it comes at a tough time, you know, with being six days removed from now be the week tomorrow, Bryce being gone. But I don't think they're a terrible matchup for Providence as long as PC can handle their pressure. So
0: I'm going to ask some questions and we could spin it back to me too. But Kevin, what does Garway have to do to really kind of find himself offensively?
1: Um I think playmake, you know, I think almost like he he's got parts of his game, and obviously these guys all do that you don't see until they're older, but Garway in and I know people are gonna say, oh, it's prep, it's different, but he played against really good competition and he had floaters, he just never missed floaters. It was re- he'd shoot floaters from like the free throw line, it was crazy. And he never missed it. I think that's why he's a really good alley-oop passer because he, I don't know, he just has a knack for it. And we haven't seen it much this year. I'd love to see Garway get in the lane and start shooting those floaters again. Um, but I feel like he's not really going to the room to absorb contact. He's not, you know, hitting the floaters. I think Garway's going to hit a couple of those floaters to free things up. And we've seen in flashes, he's thrown these like crazy alley-oops. And a couple of times, I think guys like Castro haven't been ready for him because there's such good passes. So I think he's just gonna have a breakout game. He's gotta have, you know, it's still early. Like I I wrote about this maybe two weeks ago. If you look back at I was trying to think of the most productive freshman um in the last like, I don't know, eight, nine years. And it was really Ben Bentel late in his freshman year in Alpha. And both of them really came on in late January. And it seems to be a time where it, you know, Ledante was a different animal, but also like that was a roster that was totally in flux. So he was given a huge role right away. Uh, you know, Bento was on that really good team that was like a I think a sixth seed. Um and Alpha was on a, a pretty deep team too. But both of those guys by like late January just seemed to hit and then just never looked back. That's my hope for Garway. I mean, we don't know if he's even playing this week. Um, but again, I think He's got to look for his offense a little bit more. I, I can't imagine that he's had more than one major field goal in a game in quite a while. Um, but just getting the paint, finish some floaters just get his confidence up a little bit. I think it's, it's shaking up a little bit. I think he's still, uh, Bill, we saw against Creighton, he took kind of a terrible step back jumper. They, they had a stretch of about five possessions against Creighton where it was 50 to 42. They had five possessions in a row where they could have cut that lead to a, they it a two possession game. Um, and took a kind of a bad step back jumper. So I think he's still kind of reminds me of Corey Floyd a little bit, still trying to find his way and understand like where shots are coming from in this offense. And I can chat about Corey. I mean, I was just,
0: I was impressed at points last year with Corey where he would spot up for a three. Obviously we all remember the dunk against Kentucky. Like he, he just looked, ahead of his age because he's still as young people don't realize like you know what was he eight, 18 committing to UConn so I think he enrolled like, at 17 yeah yeah so he, he he's he's young um and he's obviously played against really really good competition and been successful in that in, in high school um I just don't see the same sort of pop out of him as, as probably others have noticed um and, and, and I just you know, there was a game last year against Butler. He had 12 points. You know, he he hit a couple of threes, like was four or five from the field. Like he had multiple seven-point games, like where he looked, you know, decently comfortable. You know, it was three or five against his old foe, Yukon, one of three from three. That's all we need right now. And and I think he can get there. We just I don't know if it's that we need to draw a play specifically for him, but like getting him the ball in the three point uh, off, you know, uh, at the three point line in the corner. It it seems like Ticket Gaines has almost taken that role in a sense from him of, you know, being that corner three guy and, you know, being able to kind of, you know, drive and get contact.
1: Yeah, I love there was a there was a drive in the second half against Seton Hall. You may remember I, I was going nuts because he just took it and he just went flying to the rim and drew contact and got a foul. Um, I feel like a lot of times Corey this year is getting to the paint and stopping and pivoting and trying a little fadeaways, which is hitting like he'll hit these eight to 10 footers. But I love seeing him just going in with force and drawing contact right away. You kind of want to see Corey not like meander into the paint and like, yeah, I don't know. It seems like he's playing at a little bit of a slower pace. Uh, you want to just see him like get it and go at times. Um, you know, I think I had high hopes for Corey because well, a couple of things in him, you know, last year. He barely played. And they still shot like 40% from three, which people are like, well, whatever, that's a limited, you know, number of shots. But it's really hard to never play and come in and consistently shoot at a good percentage. And, you know, in fairness to him, and I, I don't I'm sure some fans who, you know, don't want to hear it, but it's it's the truth. This is his third year of college basketball with his third head coach. You know, he had half of his junior year of high school wiped away by the pandemic. He enrolled early because his senior year of high school has basically been wiped away. So that was a redshirt year at UConn. Last year, he didn't play much at all. Uh, And this year, he's in a totally new system. So it's understandable that his head's kind of spinning a little bit. He's looking to find his niche. Um, And it hasn't looked great. And I think, honestly, Creighton wasn't a good matchup for a guy who kind of stops in the paint and then kind of decides or fades a little bit with Kalkbrenner being there. Um, Hopefully, this matchup is a good one for him. You know they can get up and down a little bit more. I like to see Corey kind of attacking the rim. Uh, maybe he gets in transition a little bit. And Billy, I think the the threes this year. I'm I bet if we went back and looked, it just seems like they're he's shooting a little bit quicker this year. You know, like last year he was really measuring shots up and knocking them down. Everything this this year seems a little bit quick. Um, I totally agree. I yeah, totally so, agree. Yeah, you, you can almost see it. You know, like he had one against Seton Hall. He's playing really well, and then. He's kind of ill advised, but he's playing well and it was well contested. I think he shot over the rim and maybe it was an air ball. You know, I think he's he's getting some, you know, he banks in these tough little like 10, 12 footers. Um, I think the three point shot he just hasn't figured out like where he's going to get his threes in his offense. Yeah, no, so. great points all around. I think to summarize,
0: if Garway can think a little bit less and attack a little bit more. I think that'll make a big difference. I think if Corey can get off some threes that are a little bit more comfortable um, and, and, and you know, less quick off the trigger, I think that'll be great. I think if we can get a little bit more Rich Baron from three, that'll be fun. You know, the fans get behind that, you know, obviously bring up the morale a little bit. And defensively, I think if we can do a lot of the same things that we've done all season, even without Bryce, you know, rebound, block shots, you know, just kind of get after people, I think we can still win some games. You know, I I I usually am very, very excited to talk as everybody would, you know, be hearing my voice on most podcasts. I just do feel bad for Kim and and he's just trying to work this on the fly so quickly in the middle of a big E schedule that you know, I, I just don't want to get the hopes up too much that we'll be able to figure it out in these next couple of games. But like you said, Kevin, if we're able to kind of, you know, get, get a little bit more solid in the rotations and look a little bit more comfortable and build some continuity in the lineups in the next couple games. Like the season is, is far from over. That is the one benefit to this, right? It's that we're, we are just beginning big East play. So if we're able to kind of figure out which lineups work and which lineups don't, then we can certainly get back to it. Cause you know, we're going to defend and if we can get a little bit of an extra push on offense, If Seton Hall is doing it and there's some other teams out there that are only doing it with a couple scores, we can do it too.
1: Well, all it takes is two or three games too. Like two weeks ago, no one thought much of Seton Hall or St. John's. All of a sudden you win three out of four in the league and things feel totally different. So I think this is a big stretch for PC over the next week and a half just to kind of stop the bleeding a little bit. I think just morale is down, right? They've lost two in a row, which normally is not great, but not the end of the world. But without Bryce, it just feels tough. I mean, in the Creighton game, you know, that's a tough matchup at Omaha. No one's surprised. But I just think they need some sort of positive momentum. It's going to happen, hopefully, by at least Saturday with with Xavier. Not counting out Wednesday at all. But um, I think they got to stop the bleeding this week, um, and we'll see what happens.
0: Well, I hope to see a bunch of you out there at Madison Square Garden on Wednesday night. Thank you guys, as always, for listening in. And we'll certainly be back in the coming weeks. Go Friars. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to episode 39 of the Friar podcast. And of course, a special thank you to my co-host, the great Kevin Farahar of FriarBasketball.com. If you're not subscribed to FriarBasketball.Substack.com, we'd of course appreciate it. Follow us on social, at the Friar podcast on X, as well as at the Friar podcast on Instagram. We'll be back in the coming weeks. And as always, go Friars.